You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin Cities sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. Stewart stepping back. Loads up. Looks long. Throws. End zone. Touchdown. Ascended to the top of the college football mountain, their fifth national championship in nine years, and for Coach Nick Saban, a career sixth national championship. Alabama is back as the champion of college football. How about that? Eli Gold getting a Gould getting a little upset, getting a little worked up, huh? Eli's been doing those games for four thousand years, yeah. And uh, the kid, uh, and I'm not going to attempt to. Uh, I'm no. not real good with Samoan names no. or uh, Hawaiian names. Not not real good. Tug of Iloa. Okay, him. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I call him Tug. TT. I call him TT. Just call him by T-T. his first name, Tua. 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 We can handle Tua. Yep. But. He just got done making one of the worst plays in history, right? Running yeah. 20 yards backwards and letting him get sacked. Now, he's getting a lot of credit for looking off the safety, but the safety's still an idiot, right? Yes, 100%. You can't leave that no. guy. What a throw, though. Man, You're deep for line. one reason, to cover <laughs> that guy. That's right. They are gonna. They got the field goal kicker. If he's got to kick one from 40, you just won the national title, right? Oh, my God. How about the guy with the Kurt Rambis glasses? I want the Vikings to draft him so bad. <laughs> Blankenship. And he's Rodriguez. good. Yeah, he's oh, very man. good. 55. He made one from 55 after Fromm made a uh, horrible play. I mean, he's Although got the, the last the last kicker the Vikings drafted from the University of Georgia. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. He had a big leg too. But you know what? I want he didn't the guy. Have glasses. Maybe want... Walsh needed glasses. That's just it. I want the guy with the Rex specs and the giant mustache. That's yeah. the guy I want kicking man, for my team. Alive was that. Uh, that was that a heck was of good. a good game. And you know what? My reaction was when I woke up this morning, and uh, I have to pee. Her, no, oh. well, that, that that was earlier this morning. That was like at 3, and you go back to bed, and then you get up again later. That's the way that works, fellas. But anyway, why are we bothering to build a $170 million why, are, why do we bother? Why do we bother? You watch those two teams. Why? What's the point? So you can... Someday go back to the Citrus Bowl? I mean, what the hell is the point? You know, We fu- don't want to play Alabama and Georgia. You know what's funny, too, Pat? You you look at these two teams and all, like, the freshmen and true freshmen that played. Oh, yes. The, the, the thing of it is, is you, you've got 
people from that but, are fans of other teams from around the country saying, "Yeah, we need to, we got to play more freshmen." It's like, no, Alabama and Georgia these, freshmen are different than these Big guys 10 are Big men. Freshmen. Yeah. The freshmen that played were yeah. men. That running back, <laughs> whatever Harris, whatever he's yeah. a man. They got, they got linebackers, and I was just getting ready to say. This might be the best Alabama defense I've ever seen. They were fantastic early, and then Georgia made about four plays against them. And what? What? Why bother? Save the money. Give it to charity. You know, don't donate. More to tuition. The, don't donate it to the University of Minnesota to go out and have 120 guys peeing into the wind basically that's all you're doing by doing this you're peeing into the wind someday you can beat wisconsin okay beautiful this is a completely different animal that's the amazing this is a completely different animal that's the amazing thing about you know these two programs that we saw last night pat because we here in minnesota we compare the gophers to the badgers and we think yes. about how far ahead the badgers are from the gophers yes and it's like you look at wisconsin and you can see just from the game oh. last night how far away wisconsin is from those two teams greatest thing that ever happened to the badgers is they got to, they got to go uh, play somebody that they wanted to beat uh, that uh, didn't really care that much and they won that game but you know they've had a nice run but wisconsin Thank your lucky stars you didn't have to play either of these teams in the playoffs. <laughs> it would have been 59-0 again. So I mean, what, Ohio State can compete. get athletes out there mm-hmm. and compete, right? Yes. Yep. But they're that's it. They're the only ones. Even Penn State can't get athletes. I mean, they got a few of them. But this is this is a completely different game than we're playing, and it always will be. And what's the point? Kirby Smart just had the number one rated recruiting class at Georgia right ahead of Alabama. So it's just going to, you know, there's no sense in it. We're, so, we're, 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 we should put the money in a pile and burn it. What so, the hell? So what you're saying, Patrick, is had all of the stars maybe aligned, the Gophers had a really good run, you don't like the chances of Connor Rhoda up against the <laughs> Alabama Crimson Tide defense. No. We haven't even seen we haven't even seen Alabama's third string quarterback. He's probably some I mean, these guys are this these these are athletes that of which we'll never have one. But hey, and don't anybody ever tell me you beat out Alabama for a player. I guarantee you, you did. Well, you know what? No, Pat? you did. Well, you what? know what? Since Jalen Hurts got benched last night, maybe he's maybe he's got That's a transfer. Right. Maybe PJ can go bring him here. I'll I'll take him. Yeah, because he won't him. go to Ohio State. Right. Instead. <laughs> well, I don't know. It, it was a fantastic game. How about and, uh, though that? Kid you know where that in. game My turned? God. Though you know where that game turned? Can I take a he, shot at it? When the Big Ten ref didn't call the face mask penalty. Oh, I was going to oh, go yeah. with. Yeah. I was going to go with when it was still thirteen nothing Georgia, and the freshman kid came in should have been sacked on third and seven. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then turned yeah. that into a first. That was the yeah. turning point in the game. But but that one they didn't call that game. They Georgia was moving again. They could have. That would have given, yes. given them a yes, first they down. They could have kept yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they were they were moving again. That and uh, when they had the long touchdown by the way, pass. Big on, Ten officials. They were Big Ten crew. The whole the whole crew was. Yeah, last that's, night. That's why they were so incompetent. But uh, <laughs> the the but, long touchdown pass Georgia scored to make it twenty to seven yep. when they had the mm-hmm. sideline interference. I thought 
if they bring this touchdown pack. I know. Oh, I thought for sure that there was a chance I they might too. do it. And Kirby Kirby looked like his head was going to explode, too. <laughs> he might have committed like murder yeah, on the field. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some Sonny Michelle, though. When Nick Chubb is your second best oh, running back. Mm-hmm. God, Sonny Michelle. He's a monster, and he runs like the wind. He's yes. a fantastic guy. Yeah, okay, celebrate. Cut the ribbon. Talk about the facility, but you just wasted $170 million, <laughs> okay? You got no chance to ever accomplish anything in football that is played when men play football. They have men playing football. We got some feisty young fellas. They got men. Unbelievable. All right, we'll be back. Our guy Jeff Duncan from uh, the Times-Picayune and NOLA.com will talk to us about the Saints. To grow, you must fail. Jeff Duncan, columnist for the New Orleans Times-Picayune and NOLA.com, heading up to the North Country for uh, Sunday's game. Jeff, I was just talking last time you guys were up here. The big story in Minnesota was the return of Adrian Peterson. That ship sailed in a hurry, didn't it? Yeah, that seems like years ago. (laughs) And, you know, that was a weird marriage to start with. It was kind of a shotgun wedding, and it ended even quicker with them trading him off. And, look, nobody knew at that time that Alvin Kamara, yes. the rookie third-round draft pick, was going to be uh, the superstar talent that he is. And I think that hastened Adrian Peterson's uh, ship out of town. That's true. So Drew Brees uh, was just amazing uh, this weekend and winning that game, the, the anticipation of the throws he makes and everything. We all talk about uh, Brady and the workout regimen and the whole deal and uh, the longevity. What's this guy do? What's, what's he do to stay in shape all offseason? Well, he works out a lot like Brady. He's, um, you know, just incredibly diligent about uh, his nutrition, his workout regimen. Uh, he lives out in the San Diego area, Pat, in the off season. You know, when you get a house out there, you never sell yeah. it, right? So he, right. Yeah. Where he, <laughs> that's where he started his career with the Chargers. And uh, the thing that's the most amazing thing about Drew Brees and covering him, and I think there's a statistic that kind of shows where his brilliance is. There's a stat this year that said the quarterbacks that release the ball and, uh, you know, unload a pass 2.4 seconds or less, he's got the highest passer rating of all those quarterbacks. And then the ones that are 2.5 seconds or more, he's got one of the lowest. So I think what that tells you is, most of his work is done before he ever even drops back to pass. It's all about reading the defense, the preparation he puts in, and knowing where he's going to go with the ball before uh, the snap is even made. He's just a he's a programmed robot at quarterback, and I've never really covered anybody quite like him. I mean, he's I think he actually Pat he might be underrated, and if that's possible yes. for guys who won a Super Bowl, but he's not regarded like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, and I think he's probably is every bit as accomplished yeah and he does he throws a few more interceptions historically but he throws the ball 40 times a game it has something to do with that and uh it is amazing that at 511 510 whatever he is the way he finds those seams to throw through the defensive lineman's arms and and that's all anticipation they showed us some great 
uh, film, uh, not film, but uh, replays of, of Sunday's game where he was, you know, throwing to a spot that the guy hadn't even made his cut yet, 15 mm-hmm. down, yards downfield, and he takes a little turn in, and boom, the ball's in his hands. It's it's incredible. He's, well, uh, there's a couple of things, too, that I think are underrated about Breeze. He's a fantastic athlete, and I think that gets overlooked. Yes. You know, when he was coming up in Austin, Texas, he was a, a, a really ranked, highly ranked junior tennis player. He beat Ed, Andy Roddick in the Austin really? area. Yes, and was a tremendous baseball player. Went to Purdue to play baseball and football. Gave up baseball once his football career took off. And so he's got all these athletic skills of, like, peripheral vision and and, and a pocket sense, and he moves laterally. He's got that that phone booth quickness, it's hard to sack him because he's so quick in the pocket and feels the pressure. And I think that's another underrated part of his game is, is that he's a, he's just a really good all-around athlete. Uh, New Orleans, historically, and I don't know what it means, has been awful up here in Minnesota. What, 3-16, and 16, something like that? It's incredible. Yeah, I think they're 3-13 and 13 all time. Okay. Uh, that, that includes Bloomington, games when the games were yes. at Bloomington. Yeah, when they were a, an expansion team, that made a lot more sense. But they have had no luck up here. Uh, how is the offensive line? What is the physical condition of the Saints' offensive line? Well, they're going to be missing Andres Pete, their first-round draft pick of a couple of years ago. He's been playing left guard. But they should be okay up front. As long as Taron Armstead, their left tackle, is healthy, and it sounds like he's going to be good to go, and Max Unger, their center, and the right guard, Larry Warford, uh, the, the big free agent signing they got from Detroit. Uh, they've got a rookie from Wisconsin that's been playing well at right tackle. And it's really a strength. You know, look, the Vikings have had their troubles certainly a year ago building an offensive line. It seems like that is a prime position in the league that no one can find good offensive linemen. The Saints are blessed. They've got a lot invested, a lot of high draft picks, free agent dollars. And it's a strength of this team. And this offensive line blocks well on the run, and as well to pass protect. So uh, that's one area that's going to be a fun matchup, watching them go against that great uh, Minnesota Vikings front seven. Jeff Duncan's with us, uh, columnist for NOLA.com and uh, New Orleans Times' Picky Yoon. So uh, going into this year, they've had, what, was it three straight seven and nines? And uh, Peyton, does Peyton still have it anymore? And the folks where I was down there in July, I saw you, and uh, the folks were a little disgruntled. This, is, this had to be a bit of a surprise to the uh, fans, hasn't it? No, no question. It came about a year early. I think everybody was excited with the last two draft classes, but no one knew this last draft, this 2017 draft. Pat had produced five starting players in one draft wow. class, including two pro bowlers as rookies. I don't know if that's ever happened before. Uh, and it's really become the core of this team with Alvin Kamara running back, Marshawn Lattimore, the first-round pick out of Ohio State. They finally – have a lockdown cornerback, and I can't tell you how long it's been. I've covered the team for almost 20 years. They've never had a Pro Bowl cornerback. Matter of fact, you had to go all the way back to Eric Allen in 1995 to find the last Saint that made it as a, a Pro Bowl cornerback. It was the longest drought in the league, and they get this kid from Ohio State, and he's basically their version of Xavier Rhodes, you know, the guy you can turn loose on the other team, best receiver and he's going to shut him down, and it's kind of transformed the entire defense. This defense has been so bad for so long, and finally now they're just kind of middle of the pack. They're not great by any means, but it's so much better than what they've been. It's translated to them you know, getting 11 wins and getting back in the playoffs. 
This is defensive coordinator. How many now? Uh, how many? Peyton's gone through a few here the last number of years, right? Right. Yeah, five of them. And uh, really, I think he made a mistake running off Greg Williams after the Super Bowl. I think that was an example of a of a young head coach who was full of vim and vigor. He couldn't do anything wrong, and they had a personality conflict. Uh, Greg Williams is by far the best defense coordinator they've ever had here, but he and Peyton knocked heads. Uh, Greg Williams left for St. Louis at the time, and Peyton struggled to replace him, and he finally got Dennis Allen, who's kind of a Greg Williams yeah. protege, without the bravado that Greg Williams has, and it's just been a better fit personality-wise. And I think Dennis Allen's exactly what Sean Peyton's been looking for. He's done a really good job with this team. We don't like Greg Williams up here in Minnesota, by the way. Uh, uh, Jeff, that's <laughs> I wonder why, yeah. We're still, uh, we're, we're still a little upset at uh, Greg Williams, but... Uh... Yeah, that, that, I tell you that that game, Pat. Uh, I still remember it like it was yesterday. The Vikings outplayed the Saints. They, they win that game anywhere else but the Superdome. I feel like the the Superdome crowd just kind of willed the Saints to victory with help of all those Vikings turnovers. And I'm sure Vikings fans remember that game well and feel like they owe the Saints one. The uh, Gruden was in here before they played that first uh, uh, game in uh, Monday night game, and he was bragging about how the Saints had all these great young athletes on defense and they were going to be much better, and we kind of laughed at him. But what, when when did you start seeing it? Game three, four, right when they started winning, that they yeah uh, they that went these over young guys... game four game four they went over to London and and played Miami at Wembley Stadium and. Look, Miami Dolphins are no juggernaut offensively, but they shut them out and didn't allow any points at all. Really, Miami couldn't even get the ball past midfield, and we haven't seen that for a long time. And you could just see the group growing. And, look, they've had – this is the most amazing thing about the way the defense is playing. They've lost six defensive starters. Really? Since, you know, since the start of the season, and they're still plugging along here. They're not great. They only have really two great players on defense right now. Lattimore, the rookie, and Cam Jordan, the defensive end. And so I think that's where Minnesota, I know, is a little more conservative offensively probably than the Saints are. But I think the the Vikings, if they can run the ball on the Saints, uh, I think they're going to have a lot of success in this game because I don't think they want Case Keenum dropping back trying to carry this team on his passing. But if they can be balanced and are able to run the ball at all, I think they should be able to control this game because the Saints are kind of down to – mostly backups on their defensive side of the ball. Boy, uh, uh, Carolina took away the running game, but uh, that's okay because he threw for 400 yards. But was that just Carolina absolutely loading up to make sure they stopped the run? Yeah, and, and, and they don't have the back end, the secondary, to match up with the Saints. And so the Saints just said, okay, if you want to challenge our passing attack, we've got one of the best ever here in Drew Brees, and he just lit them up. I don't think Minnesota has to do that. I think they're going to feel – that they can stop the run with just their general base defense and their front seven, which is more talented, I think, than Carolina's. And their back end, I think, their secondary is so much better than Carolina's that they'll be able to, I think, control the Saints. The key, I think, Pat, is going to be when both teams get to the red zone. You know, who gets who scores the touchdowns in the red zone uh, and who has to settle for field goals? That, that was the case in that opening game in, in week one. The, the Saints kicked, I think, three field goals when they got down there close and turned out to be the difference in the game. Hey, one last thing. Who's making the draft choices down there now? Uh, Jeff Ireland is the, is the head of player personnel, and he's been a revelation for this front office. Nicky Loomis is the general manager, and 
Sean Payton obviously has a big say in it. But Jeff Ireland, they brought in a couple of years ago, and he's a Bill Parcells protege, and so is Sean Payton. So they they marry philosophically, and it's really been a good uh, a good combination for this team and this organization. They needed somebody that knew how to pick players, and, and Jeff Ireland's doing it. All right, Jeff, thank you. Bring a coat. <laughs> I've got my hat and gloves. I'll, I'll be ready. Thanks okay, sir. That. Thanks, Jeff Duncan, uh, columnist for the New Orleans Times, Picayune, and NOLA.com. And he uh, has won national awards. If you want to read his stuff, he's pretty dang good. We shall return. Hopefully, uh, one of the uh, Twins Brain Trust will be with us when we get back. Uh, Derek Falvey is with us. The organizational meetings being held down here by the Twins, a little late because of the hurricane, but you also have a lot of new people. Somebody told me there's 150 people over there. I think it's 162. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's the final number. It's, that, uh, it's uh, great. And so what, everybody breaks out into little meeting groups and uh, takes care of their area of expertise? We do a little bit of both, big groups and small groups, but a chance to cross over. I'm going to run right into it. Uh, okay, you hired a new pitching coach, Gary. Kevin Alston, and Bob McClure came in, too. What is that, uh, as a senior advisor, what is that, how's that going to work? Is he going to travel or what? Well, no. the way we've set it up uh, with Bob, he's got such experiences at the major league level, having been a major league coach for 20 years, and he now will help advise. He, he loves to do some work with young players, wanted to get off the field. This was the right time for him and his life, uh, and felt like now with Garvin, with Pete Mackey, uh, we have a number of guys that we've brought in, new guys on the on the pitching side. Bob will provide a, a great resource for the entirety of the pitching group, from Garvin all the way through. How often is he going to be around? Or don't He'll be know? all spring training, okay. here the whole time. Uh, and then, in addition to that, travel to the affiliates, kind of operate like a coordinator of sorts, but oh, okay. also come to the big leagues. All right, and Pete Mackey is your new rover. Yeah, Pete um, Mackey is our new pitching coordinator. Uh, comes to us after having coached at Duke University, someone who came highly, uh, highly regarded by a number of different people who've worked with him and around him, and we've seen over the last couple of days why. Last year, you kind of uh, shook up the hitting operation uh I, I you give me the word you call you want it to go from top to bottom what do you call that again <laughs> well what's that uh word, collaboration you know, that's the no, one everyone uses bottom, for me. Alignment, bottom, alignment, alignment 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 is that what is happening in hitting now too? absolutely hitting and pitching we have uh, one of the great things about having everybody here right now is you get conversations going with scouts with your hitting coaches with your major league hitting staff with your strength staff and otherwise to talk big picture about hitting plans for players uh, going into spring training but then just organizationally uh, we've got new people and new ideas and this is a great time to talk about it uh, tell me about uh, uh, some of the changes you made new farm director new director of baseball operations tell me about those guys two two really great guys uh, I'll start first with Jeremy Zoll our farm director who comes over from the Los Angeles Dodgers worked very closely with Gabe Kapler over the last few years as their farm director and uh, he was the assistant farm director over there he comes over with a, a wealth of knowledge and experiences from what came from the Dodger uh, from the Dodger days there, and our, our new director of baseball operations, a little bit of a different hire in baseball, but Daniel Adler, uh, someone who worked in the NFL for a number of yes. years and has uh, has some experiences in the analytics space. A uh, Cleveland guy, but you didn't know him from Cleveland, I did, did you? not from okay. the Indians, but okay. I met him there uh, about eight, uh, going on nine years ago now. Okay. So uh, I met him there when he was working with the Browns uh, initially as an intern. Uh, and and, and is he kind of in charge of 
bringing all the information to make sure everybody's working toward the same end or it, what? It, he is. He, he, he's kind of the maestro of sorts with respect to all the, uh, all the different instruments in our analytics department. So uh, we've got projection analysts. We, he's, he's interacting with coaches. He spent a lot of time with our major league staff. So he's somebody who uh, he'll, he'll focus on all different aspects of our baseball operation. And you now have a Canadian influence in your special assignment uh, people, right? <laughs> uh, you brought in uh, Justin Morneau, uh, and I saw him over there, so he's on board, right? We, we certainly, one of the things about the Twins, you know this as well as anybody, Patrick, the wealth of family history in yes. this organization is pretty special. And with Tori Hunter and Michael Kadira was over there and Latroy and uh, Justin and others, we feel like, in addition to a number of other former players that are around the team regularly, it's exciting. But is Justin going to do, is he going to be as involved as LaTroy and Torrey? That's right. That's and the way we travel around that. once in a while. Yep. I know LaTroy, I called him last year, and he was getting on a plane to go look at uh, Royce Lewis. Exactly and right. Guys. These yeah. guys have been involved in every conversation we've had about free agents, about trades, about what we're doing to the major league clubhouse and the environment. Uh, these guys are involved in everything. So why uh, it seems that the uh, free agent pace has uh, never been slower is that uh, – <laughs> Uh, a lot of teams, the big spenders, are obviously afraid of the, what is it, 192 now, the escrow number? There's or, a luxury tax element uh, to yeah. it, I'm sure, that's playing a role. But I, I do think that uh, it's just, I, I do think every free agent season has its own pace. There may be some unique elements to this one, but uh, there are a lot of players still on the board that we think it have is. a chance to help us. Yeah, and the, and the pitchers, usually the pitcher last year the hitters had to wait around. The pitching got signed. This year yeah. it seems like everybody's waiting around. Yeah, it seems it's just the way this has played out. I, I think, you know, certainly my expectation is all these players will sign before we kick off a lot of our spring training camps, although you, you never know how those things will go. So we just need to stay involved in, in conversations with uh, respective agents, and I think we still have more work to do with respect to our club. Uh, Fernando Rodney, uh, after a horrible uh, April, was uh, really good, and uh, I, I checked him out with a few of my scouts, and everybody says he's uh, he's a really uh, good dude, and uh, not the greatest English, but a uh, but a good uh, do, do, dude. And you guys still like his stuff, huh? Yeah, charismatic guy, uh, good teammate, good guy in the clubhouse, uh, and somebody who we think uh, could benefit from some things that we've identified. Uh, pitched a plan to him to come in and help us, and we feel like you know, with his velocity and the, how he's finished games, he's gotten a lot of swing and miss. He's a, he's a good fit. Uh, I don't think you want to close the uh, beer sales in the ninth inning, though. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of they can, they have a tendency to take 15 minutes with him. Hey, there could be some anxiety. <laughs> we made sure we checked with Paul as to how, how comfortable he'd be with some of those outings. But hey, in the end, you got to finish him off. Yeah, that's uh, you know uh, Earl Weaver used to call uh, Dan, Don Stanhouse two pack, and uh, you know because he'd smoke two packs of cigarettes. I don't know if Fernando's that bad, but uh, but man, that that changeup is as good as anybody he's ever thrown one. It is. He really knows how to use it. He, he's got an advanced feel for pitching. I think pitching at his age and continuing to, he takes great care of his body. Uh, he's in such good shape. I mean, we met him and you could see it. So I, we feel like he's the type of guy that comes in. He's he's a veteran guy who knows what he's doing in that role and it allows others to play some different roles in our pen. Zach Duke, uh, is he recovered? Yes, fully recovered. Uh, really kind of a 
uh, a meteoric rise last year through his rehab process and, and came back in, in nine months, which is something that you don't normally see. Uh, speaks to who he is and how much he wanted to be on the field to help that team. Uh, we talked with guys who were former teammates of his, one of which is Justin Morneau, and, and we got a lot of good information around who he is as a person. We're excited to have him. Uh, Derek Falvey's with us. Well, you throw in Rodgers at a heck of a year. And there's uh, Hildenberger was, uh, you know, funky. The, everybody's got to have their own Darren O'Day. And, uh, but the guy that's got to be fixed and can get people out is Presley. No I mean, there's, that's, that's get, get everybody out stuff. He, no he, doubt about it. We know that. And Ryan knows that, too. It, you know, he went through some stretches last year where he struggled a little bit. We saw a little a better version of him at different times. You know, this is when guys mature and they finally get into that groove, you see it, and we're expecting that Ryan's going to be in that place this year. Yeah, he's uh, – I, I don't know. I don't want to come off as I think I'm a know-it-all, but he, sometimes his, his pitch selection was just mystifying. Yeah. You're, you're throwing – you got the great curveball and you're throwing 98. Uh, I don't know. I I – People were wondering if he'd still be around, but you can't give up on an arm like that. No, it, it, big time stuff, big time ability. We know it. Guy who can get strikeouts. Something we ha- have always focused, uh, or ha- since we've come on, have focused on finding ways to do is get swing and miss ability, and he has it. Who? Uh, what? Uh, the young arms. Who you? Who you anxious to see? You haven't really announced your uh, your. Uh, Training uh, your spring training guys yet, but uh, who you, who's some young guys you're going to get to see? It's exciting to think about guys like Steven Gonzalez coming in, you know, and, and giving himself a chance. We saw a little of him last year up here in camp, and he got some exposure to AAA at the end of the year. Uh, I think guys like Fernando Romero continue to impress and, and move things forward. I think then, but you add in, there's, there's some guys on the reliever side. You know, uh, a guy we signed last year, Michael Kahn, who has some major league experience, who's going to come to camp this year as a non-roster invite. Somebody who then adds to the stable of taking a next step for John Curtis and Alan Boosnitz and Gabriel Moya and some of these other young guys. I, I like seeing those guys develop and grow. Uh, tell me about Moya. It's uh, it's uh, the funkiest thing you ever saw. Is there good stuff there as well as all the uh, gyrations? Well, when you look at his track record so far, yeah, it's been pretty right. good. And so he, you know, he's somebody who I think when we brought him up to the big leagues last year, certainly knew it was a bit of a push, but we needed him. And he went and, and did what we thought he could do, which was compete. And, and now one year later, he's, went, he's gone back through winter ball, put himself in a good position physically. He's got some stuff there that we think can get out. You're in limbo right now with Miguel Sano, obviously, with the uh, accusation uh, made against him. And the uh, MLB is investigating. Uh, no timeline on when you're going to get a result here? That's right. At, at this stage, uh, Major League Baseball is, uh, as has been uh, reported and publicized, uh, they're in the process of an investigation. Certainly something we take very seriously and uh, will await uh, comment from, from the commissioner's office. Yeah. What? Uh, what? Where is his rehab? Uh, how's he doing? He's progressing Snow. well. He's, He's progressing been here well. a lot, right? He's been here. He actually just returns here now Mm -hmm. Uh, so we'll be here in Fort Myers and uh, we'll continue to progress that rehab Uh, we feel like he's in a good spot it's great that we have some of our medical staff here that's going to get a chance to interact with him in the next couple of days and uh, how's uh, how's he doing with his heft is he getting in better shape oh I think he's you know we we've always looked at it with Miguel that he's going to be a big man we know that he's going to be a big strong man so we want to make sure that he's at the right uh, functional weight for him to play the position he needs to play. And right now we're focused really heavily on the rehab, making sure he's in the healthiest position to, to add on some load. But he's kept himself in a good place. Who uh, the, How many uh, uh, 
arb guys you got arbitration guys <laughs> we got a bunch i, I think if uh, if you go talk to rob anthony right now he's got a lot <laughs> on his plate with respect to that so uh certainly uh deadlines coming up here shortly and uh we'll have we'll have a number of guys to work through uh they haven't uh so they haven't officially declared yes yeah, <laughs> right. you got guys like escobar and yeah some yep escobar guys. kyle gibson ryan presley a few guys here how about the year that uh, escobar had oh right? great <laughs> and for such a great guy you yeah, know like one is. of the one of the people, favorites people kind of get a hard get a little sick of hearing that but he is a character man he's, he is he he's, is the guys love him at the clubhouse he's he's a great fit we're happy for him so uh many uh years ago uh the the 1986 twins fired the manager late in the year and had a bad uh you know had a low expectations coming in and uh, bob gebhardt's great quote was we were just trying to get organized and we won the world series you know <laughs> as that you guys we're trying to get organized last year, and I think you might have won more games than you would have. When you left spring training here, I'm not sure you were as optimistic as it turned out to be. You know, I, I think that's what's great about baseball seasons, uh, <laughs> the good and the bad, right? You get Expectations yes. and uh, and challenges are await when you get back to the regular season, but I, I know our guys are committed to taking a next step forward. There's unfinished business. What about the uh, minor? You made some uh, minor league uh, managerial changes. I guess Jake Maurer wanted to go to the front office, and you didn't really have a job for him. Was that there? What Jake? No, was, Jake. I, I think just for him, for where he is right now. Wise. Yeah, I think that was the right fit for him. Uh, certainly not precluding anything you know, from mm -hmm. the future. Uh, I think you know, Jake's someone who uh, has been a really great asset for this organization, and we we hope to continue his involvement moving forward. And uh, Mike Quaddy went to a who basically came in there last year after almost getting killed down here in uh, spring training and yeah. really managed how many did you end up, how many pitchers he end up going oh, through goodness. more than you did and uh, more than major we leagues. did in the major leagues no <laughs> doubt and i give him a lot of credit mike wanted to transition if possible into a coordinator role we had the yeah. outfield coordinator okay. position open uh, he chose to do that and we we got a chance to hire joel skinner joel there skinner. In, in rochester so we feel like we've added real value when uh, and you added one coach one coach there too uh, Rochester. Yes. So we were uh, we're going to do something a little bit different with respect to adding. We've talked about resources and the Polads, uh, Polad family gym, and others have put resources in front of us. So adding coaches to our minor league staff is only going to put our players in better positions. Now I've uh, seen a bunch of young men walking around with backpacks, and I think there's an iPad in the back of those. It, in this maze of people you have providing information, what's I mean, how many are on assignment and how many are just trying to find stuff? You know, how many guys, you know what I'm saying? You told me in Cleveland it was like guys that yourself who were glorified interns would be invited into the big meeting room. And We've got everybody in that room. With an idea. Huh? That's it. That's it. If you've got good ideas, we want them. We don't care mm. where they come from. And But that doesn't mean we are not attentive to the, ex the experience and expertise of some of the people in that room. When you have someone like Joel Skinner and Bob McClure come in and you have to join the likes of Mike Radcliffe and Larry Corrigan and Paul Molitor and I could, Gene Glenn, I could go on and on. These guys have all been a part of the game. They're loving the interaction with some guys with some different perspective so it's exciting to bring in some new capability i uh, see you've uh, signed uh, a bunch of guys for the rochester uh the roster down there that uh, you you that's that's kind of a 
modern thing now is to have a lot of veterans in the AAA clubs and, and try to win some games and be no a good influence, I guess. Hey, what we want to do is you have to develop young players. You have to get them better. We all know that. But the key is to teach them not just how to get better as a player, but how to win. And, and that's what those guys give us an opportunity to do in the minor leagues. What's happened with the media good guy, Chris Jimenez? What's, uh, what's, uh, is he still out there looking for a job? Has he talked to you guys? Chris Chris is a he'll be incredible a, person. He'll be a big league coach someday. <laughs> no doubt in my mind. Yeah. He's, I joked with him at some point about that last year, and he said, well, not not too soon, not too well, soon. Well, he was pretty good last year. He was. You got he was. I spoke, did you, do you feel like you got to take a longer look at Garver? I, I think there's an opportunity here, certainly with the catchers we have on the roster, to, to get a good look at those guys. But we're not ruling out opportunities, you know, if there's the right fit coming back with, with some of the players that are still on the market in that space, and uh, likewise with Chris. Well, uh, so what uh, happens now? I mean, the schedule is all moved up, it seems, because as somebody was telling me March late late March is basically the future of baseball's openers because you've uh, given the the players are getting more days off in the regular season. Is that is there's it, definitely been a is change? This going to be the new calendar? Uh, that's basically? a good question. I, I don't have great insight into how they're thinking about it five years down the line, but. I do know that with the change in the in the agreement and uh, some of the extra off days, you know, adding in 162 games re- yeah. requires you to lengthen the season. So uh, we'll get our guys prepared and get them ready for when we break and, and head up to Washington to finish off and, and start in Baltimore. Well, if you're planning to come down to spring training, folks, you might want to look at the schedule because it starts February 22nd, and I think you're out of here the 27th. Yeah, that sounds about like right. That. Yeah. All right. Hey, Derek, thanks for stopping by, and uh, uh, good luck with the uh you got another half day of meetings and yep. everybody going back home another half day in the morning and then everyone uh, shoots back home all right good enough thanks Derek thanks for having me uh, Derek Falvey the uh, chief baseball officer of the twins is here uh, for the uh, meetings and they finally got a nice day out of it too today it's uh, beautiful down here so anyway thanks to Derek for stopping by and the twins uh, did uh, bring on uh, Justin Morneau today as a uh, special assistant so he will uh, he'll uh, add that personality to the crew Latroy Tory Hunter Michael Kadire now Justin Morneau is a uh, kind of representing that old collection we'll be back at the top of the hour uh, we'll talk a little about our Timberwolves Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.